Welcome to episode four of Three Sports Rankers, your sports podcast where we'll award our bronze, silver and gold across a range of sporting topics in the ultimate sporting medal ceremony. Now today's topic that we're doing is best annual events. My name is Sam Barker and I'm joined by Rob and Callum who were both pretty excited last week by this one Rob how did you uh, it was a good find one it? it was initially I thought oh there's so many to choose from but actually y- you were canny in choosing annual events because it definitely narrows the mind down and it makes you think about you know really what are those standout moments each year what if you know the first thing I started to think about is if, if I could be told I could only watch three things in a year what would they be and that kind of helped me narrow it down a bit yeah I think the annual element of it was the key word because, you know, it rules out World Cup finals, it rules out Ryder Cup, it rules out so many... Yeah, Olympics, Paralympics, Yeah, everything. Olympics, Paralympics, it rules, it rules out things that you sort of take for granted as a sports fan. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what Rob's gone with because I feel like our top three could be very different. I'm kind of annoyed I didn't come up with it myself because I would have quite liked to sit back. <laughs> <laughs> well, that honour lies with me. I'm sitting back. I'm hosting today. You three will, uh, you two, sorry, will give your top threes in a moment. Just a quick rundown. They'll give their bronze, silver and gold. And then at the end, we'll pair their bronzes, pair their silvers, pair their golds off against each other. And I will pick the uh, the winners in each category. The points as it stands over the course of the series. Uh, Callum got a bit of work to do today. He's on five points. I'm sitting this one out. I'm in, I'm on seven. But Rob, ten points in the lead after a big week last week. So uh, could be a big one for you this week. It was an interesting week last week, wasn't it? I at, at times I felt well, it was another one, wasn't it? Where we interpreted the topic differently. But yeah, kind of pulled that one out of the bag to use a sporting uh, cliche. But looking forward to this. Well, yeah, I've got to say, with last week's being the first one that I've judged, I didn't know which uh, sports person I was going to pick in first and second, literally until the words fell out of my mouth. So um, it is it's quite daunting being the judge, I have to say, but um, I'm glad I got to pick my three this week, because I feel like I've got good arguments to make. Well, uh, we're not going to start with you this week. <laughs> That's fine. We're going to start was, with Rob, because last, last time I hosted, we began with you, so it's Rob's honours this time. So Rob... What is your bronze medal? So I'm going to start with one that I think will feature almost certainly in Callum's podium at some point. Uh, it's the Super Bowl. So Super Bowl in bronze place. I'm going for it purely, you know, as a spectacle. It's the game, what it means. It's the glitz, the glamour of the whole show. I'm not an American football fan, but even for NFL fans, it's the culmination of a season. That would be enough for them, but... I can't sit here and argue for the sport itself is in my top three favourite sports. It's not even in my top five or my top ten. But it's getting relegated to bronze place because it has to be in there somewhere. So I'm getting out there now. It's a bit of a bizarre one. Feels like you're almost throwing a point away here. Well, to be honest, I just felt like in terms of putting it on the podium, I couldn't not. But I'm convinced that my silver and my gold are deserving of it being there. And I'm, I'm... Thinking about you judging this, I'm thinking you might think the same way. You might think the Super Bowl needs to go in there, but you might put two ahead of it. So I'm a little bit of a tactical move by me. I'm putting the Super Bowl in there. It holds a position ultimately as one of the greatest sporting events. It's you know the fact that it comes around every year. It doesn't lose its gloss. 
greatest show on earth is is obviously the tagline and that's why i think it deserves to be on my list even if it is in bronze place Okay, I really enjoyed while you were talking there, you were also sort of mimicking throwing an American football. I don't know if you realised you were doing it, but it was, it was great. It wasn't going very far, no. but it was being Well, I don't thrown. think I could throw it very far, to be honest. Yeah. Um, okay, Callum, mm-hmm. what's, your, uh, what's your bronze in the best annual sporting events? Best annual, the third best annual sporting event in the world is the FA Cup final. Ah, the magic of the cup. The magic of the cup. It is... Let's play FA Cup uh, cliche bingo. Um, well, I mean, it's it's tradition. It's the oldest club competition in the world. It's David versus Goliath often. It's not, though, is it? The FA Cup final. Wigan versus Man City. Wimbledon but versus Liverpool. Pro- I mean, I know that's going back 30 years now, but still. That's still like two in 30 years. It's the, it's the opportunity for there to be a David versus Goliath. And even if it's not... You know, teams outside or, you know, if it's not relegation threatened teams like Wigan or Wimbledon, then the opportunity for teams outside the top six to be there and capture the oldest club competition in the world, the most, arguably the most revered trophy in club football. Oh, and I'm not sure about a, that. That's a big shout in my Okay, think, well, here's what I would say. I would say if we were having this debate 15 years ago... I wouldn't even argue. But I think right now, I'm struggling to, to believe it, it is the most revered club competition in the world. But do you not, regardless of the fact that you feel that way about it, when FA Cup final day comes around, do you not sit down in front of the television Absolutely and look I forward do. to it and, you know, watch Abide With Me and the national anthem and, you know, all the dignitaries coming out and being introduced to football players who couldn't care less who they are? Um, I love the FA Cup. I love the FA Cup final. By no means, you know, belittling it as a a day. I think it's still. You know, I think the fact that it has clung on to being the last football fixture of the domestic season is really important. And I think if it lost that, it would mean even less. But I just think it doesn't mean much more to the players themselves, and that's quite a big thing. I, to I, me than... I, I think it matters less. I think the fact that it matters, <laughs> the fact the fact, strong. the fact that it matters less to the players has very little bearing on the fact that it means so so much to the fans. Regardless of who your team is and how well you're doing in the season, if you get to a cup final and you get to go to Wembley, your season's considered. I mean, success. you and I, as West Ham and Newcastle fans, don't need to have that argument. I would, if Newcastle got to Wembley, I would be the first to buy a ticket. But all I'm saying is, for me. It needs to be coming from both sides. The sports people, the athletes competing for that competition. It needs to mean as much, if not more, to them than those watching. But for the, do, you, do you not agree that for four teams like a West Ham or a, or a Newcastle, it would mean Absolutely. that much? Well, and it's the, I'm not it's, sure it would mean that much to say it's a case Federico Fernandez, But it's Newcastle a case of getting there. Fernandez would know that getting to the FA Cup final is, means a chance of potentially playing in Europe next year. The, the squad would know that and I think you you get good FA Cup finals more often than you get bad ones absolutely I mean we're, we're arguing this over the bronze place gold's going to be an absolute minefield at the it? moment you know I'm saying the Super Bowl to FA Cup final is non-comparable well I can agree with that but yeah, we'll get there in terms of that debate but I just think that what it has become I think a competition on the demise on the slide in terms of significance it's difficult to hold that up as 
you know, one of the top three annual sporting events. It's up there. I think it. I think all it takes is, you know, we've seen a lot of the quote unquote big teams go out in this year's FA Cup. So there, there is the opportunity for a David versus Goliath final. There's the opportunity I, for I think a Watford could, versus Manchester City. I'm there's not... still David versus Goliath. Watford aren't exact. Watford aren't going to go into that on equal footing with Manchester City. And you're you're going to go into that final, and all it all it takes is another final like 2006, the Gerrard Cup final in Cardiff. It reignites the passion for the FA Cup again. What what I found interesting from your two bronzes is that you both picked events that are nationally competed, not globally, which is is an interesting start. I'm intrigued to see if that changes moving into the silver position. Rob, what have you got as as silver on your podium? So again, I find myself, when I thought about what needs to be in here, you know, I've said before on, on the podcast that rugby union isn't my specialty, but it's very difficult to ignore the Six Nations. It goes in here for silver for me because I think it says a lot in terms of the sport and, and people who know a lot more about rugby union than I do that it's held in higher regard than a World Cup in the Northern Hemisphere, the Six Nations. So a collection of Europe's best creates that drama year on year Granted, there's a lot of debate at the moment whether whipping boys Italy, as they have been for you know many a year, should be replaced. You know, I think Georgia are higher in them in the world rankings, for example. Is that a lot of debate as to whether there should be a introduce a, a relegation kind That's of? That's a lot of long travel if we introduce Georgia <laughs> to the Six Nations. Though. Into you know element of relegation into it, but I think what the Six Nations holds up for me above all else is that there's a real there's guaranteed drama every single year, and I think that comes from the format they've. They've got a format there which just works. The collection of... It's the perfect amount of teams, six. And how often on the final day of the Six Nations is there that kind of unparalleled everything on the line permutations? Last year, Ireland beating England to take the Grand Slam when it looked like England. You know, we're going to clean up and, and we're an unbeatable side. 2015, I remember that specifically... Wales thrashed Italy to go top. Ireland needed to beat Scotland by 21 points. They won by 30, so they went top. England then had to beat France by 26 points. They were losing 15-7, then came back to win 55-33, but just didn't have enough to deny Ireland. Those kind of permutations, you know, we've talked about on the podcast, you know, how much drama there was at the final end, uh, final day of the Premier League season, uh, back there with Aguero and the goal and the United and it all swaying this way and that 227 points scored on that final day in 2015 across the three games it's incredible France winning it in 2007 when they Ireland and England all went into the final day with the same amount of points I just think it's the perfect recipe and something that comes around year on year but rugby union fans like I said would would fight this corner much strongly and have a lot more kind of emotive and passionate arguments but it still has that appeal year on year I think the the, the major selling point of the six nations is the sort the almost unrivaled patriotism that it brings about as well you know you will rarely see such militant support for the teams as you do in the six nations you know that i'm never more scottish than when the six nations comes <laughs> around because it's realistically the only time i can be even remotely positive about supporting scotland in anything <laughs> Um, and I do, I do agree with you. It's a great sporting event, but for me, it, I, it misses out on my top three on account of the fact that it takes a month and a half to complete. Also, the issue I have with the Six Nations, and this is just me being really picky, there's a cup for like every single game. 
like random <laughs> cups for that's a good point like, there is yeah pointless ma- like they're playing for fourth and fifth in the last week but they're also playing for I don't know but no one really cares about that I'm talking about you know when we get to the business try end. telling England and Scotland that <laughs> the Calcutta Cup means everything I know where you're coming from you're talking about you know the insignificance of yeah you want there to just be that a one trophy. Yeah. big trophy yeah. that everyone trophy is... And, and maybe the Grand spoon. Slam and a wooden spoon. Obviously a wooden spoon. For Italy. Just Italy must have... <laughs> Italy must have a massive kitchen because they have so many wooden spoons. It's unbelievable. <laughs> All the pasta. All the pasta. But I, I think the, the the major downfall, and the, like I said, the reason it's not on my list is that it takes a month and a half to finish. And it therefore eats into the... Do you think it loses its... It, it, it you can't into, buy into it as It much. eats into the club season more than anything. Yeah. Because club, club rugby still continues. You, I mean, you get international breaks in, in football to allow for, you know, friendlies against, like, Guatemala or whoever. Um, but you've but the Six Nations sort of supersedes club rugby, and I think that's, all, that's almost to its detriment. But one thing I would argue almost against that is that having... You know, working on the other side of it, working on the media side of things, when the Six Nation does come around, it's full week-long build-up, week by week by week. The full, the whole kind of media movement is fully geared in behind the Six Nations. You know, whether it's injury news, team selection, you know, press conferences, everyone is always waiting for the next big piece of news, and you're you are guaranteed it in a sport like rugby when it is so so rare that a, a coach can put out his first choice team. In one game, but it do, it does it, it tends to fall off in weeks four and five. Certainly for the for the nations who are who are lower down the table, your Italy's and most of the time your Scotland's and sometimes your France's. They 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 tend to sort of I don't want to say phone it in for the last couple of weeks, but they 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 do tend to sort of drop off in terms of interest and media interest and things like that. And I think. Um, I just I I couldn't put it in there just because it takes a month and a half to complete. That's that's the only reason it didn't make it for me. I think I think that's a fair argument. What what would you put in there then? What's um, your silver? It doesn't take a month and a half. It only takes four days in April, and it's the oh. Masters. It's the beginning of summer, almost. It's the tradition of playing. It's the only the only golf major that's played at the same golf course every year at Augusta National. All you need to do is watch it one year and look at Augusta it's just picture perfect every single every single hole you could take photos and make about a thousand postcards out of every single hole it's such a gorgeous piece of land it's an Instagrammer's dream isn't it (laughs) it truly is uh, an Instagrammer's dream Um, you know there's some really famous um, performances Tiger Woods won his first major there in 1997 Broke the record for the largest winning margin, winning the uh, winning the Masters by twelve shots and breaking the color barrier at the same time, um, because up until then, uh, no black man had ever won the Masters before. He was, you know, he he's famously been quoted as saying that's the one he wanted to win the most when he when he started out because of the way Augusta National treated black people. The fact that it only takes four days and it's the best. 80 odd golfers in the world a couple of amateurs thrown in there and you know former champions for good measure they're gone after two days anyway and by that point it's the top 40 Mm. 50 golfers in the world duking it out for arguably the best non-trophy in sports well that's true I think similarly to Callum actually who obviously omitted Six Nations from his 
podium entirely. I came close to the Masters and I was trying to think to myself, why do I not hold it in as high a regard as I used to? And it's because, and this is purely, you know, a, a British thing, but since the BBC lost the terrestrial rights and it went to Sky, I think there would have been a massive drop-off in your common sports audience then. You know, for, for the Masters, I think, would have been held up as hugely significant, you know, something that you'd all sit around the TV to watch, as you say, those kind of four days. But for me, it lost that element when it went to Sky and, it, like, I know that the actual sport itself, the event itself, doesn't change. But in terms of wide appeal, that is quite significant for me. I I can see where you're coming from, but I would argue that it's had more of an effect, or the, or the, the, the departure from terrestrial television has had more of an effect on the Open than it has the Masters for me. I still make a point every year of sitting down to watch the Masters, regardless of where I am or how I watch it, but I'm far less bothered by the British Open now than I was when it was on BBC. When it was on BBC, I'd sit down and watch all four I think it's kind of across the board for me, and like I said... I don't don't think you can make the television argument for it, because if if it's something that you want to watch, you'll find find a way way. to sit down and watch it. I get that, but I'm just saying from an absolute personal point of view, I had to try and think to myself, why do I not engage with the Masters like the open how i used to and unfortunately it's because it, it has lost its terrestrial tv rights yeah that's i mean that's a it's an interesting way of of looking at it what is the demand like for the casual sports fan who doesn't have sky sports who just has just uses terrestrial tv as it's an interesting point of view that i haven't really considered at do you all. not still get the um saturday oh, and sundays on bbc I think you at least get a highlights show. You get a highlights show. It used to be um, that you got the Saturday and Sunday, but it's been whittled But I know what now, you I mean think. in terms of that family engagement, sitting down as a family, seeing all the holes, you know, Amen Corner, seeing, like, the, like you said, Callum, the beautiful, beautiful course that it is. And there's that recognition of going back year and year, hmm. year after year, in the same way as the Six Nations. And, there are, the and there, are, there are players that have been going to Augusta for 20, 30 years who still haven't mastered it. You, they, they play it... 10 times a year or whatever and they still they still struggle to break par which just shows you how demanding a course it is mm. it's just a personal thing I think it's just a realisation of it's how I engage with my sport and it's it's what has that lasting impression on me and when I think about you know things like the Masters it had a bigger influence on me than it does now okay then Rob speaking of lasting impressions <laughs> what annual sporting event has made the la- the biggest lasting impression on you then Again, I don't mean to go all kind of Billy Brexit on everyone, and I've gone quite <laughs> British-centric already, but it's Wimbledon for me. It's Wimbledon. And I don't, we, we've got quite kind of tennis themes throughout these podcasts at the moment, and Callum's just shaking his head and, and turning his nose up. But the tradition, you know, whether it's the white dress code or you know, the fact that it comes around in, in peak summer, barbecue, pims, strawberries and cream, the tournament's hardline stance to tradition is not, helping in some regards you know we saw that in terms of it clashing with the world cup schedule this year that kind of came into focus a little bit but in a way actually in a world of kind of changing demands and sport having to constantly evolve to kind of meet the needs of a more demanding and new kind of modern generation I quite like the fact that it's just always stayed the same I quite like the fact that those elements are so entrenched in what Wimbledon has as, as its identity, whether it's the grass, because 
I know it seems like a bit of a strange thing to say, but w- without Wimbledon, you feel like grass court tennis would have been gone years ago. It, it's got that pull, that kind of the Grand Slam keeps it relevant. But also, this is my major argument for why I think it's the greatest annual sporting event of all time. Name me a sporting event that has more icons than Wimbledon. Whether it's in the men's game, Rod Laver, Jimmy Connors, Bjorn Ball, Boris Becker, Agassi Sampras, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Murray, in the women's, Billie Jean King, Margaret Court, Martina Navratilova, Steffi Graf, the Williams sisters, obviously. I can't think of a sporting event annually that has created so many iconic sports figures. There will be arguments you could toss in. You could name, you know, for instance, we've just done the Masters, you could name golfers. But I just think in terms of absolute pivotal figures for their sport, they all went to Wimbledon and they all won it at some point. It is very true and it's very rare and unique to have such a major tournament to have gone on for so long. And like you said, have icons both male and female. And that is in- incredibly rare uh, to have such a, such a rich history across both genders and across both sports. Callum, I'm going to assume you... This is an assumption. I'm going to assume you don't have Wimbledon at number I one. I don't have Wimbledon at number one. There's <laughs> I had a feeling it might be the case. Why did it not make your top three? For the same reason that the Six Nations didn't make my top three, I feel like you can dip in and out of Wimbledon. It's not something that I can... I, well, you can't, Sam. You have to be glued to it for two weeks. Absolutely. But, um, I can give or take a second-round match between two 30-plus ranked players in the world. I, like that, that's, that doesn't bother me at all. But, you know, come the final, fine. I'll, I'll watch the final and it will be, you know, probably quite a good game. But, you know, two weeks of tennis... It's for the same for the same reason I didn't put the Six Nations in. It's the same reason I didn't put the PDC Darts Championship World Darts Championship in because you can't possibly watch all of Wimbledon. No, you it, will, is, it, is, it is impossible. You will always... <laughs> Sam, you've tried. But. I've, I've tried on many occasions. You'll it just always, isn't possible. You will always miss something. There's always going to be something that flies under the radar. Whereas, you know, the Masters, there's there's only 18 holes and there's enough cameras on every on every hole to to capture every single shot there's no chance that will we ever see every single shot played at Wimbledon on television I suppose what's important to say we're not arguing the Masters versus Wimbledon are we we're arguing Wimbledon versus the Super Bowl the Super Bowl I really really thought this was going to be the week we were going to have six different answers (laughs) but it is not Super Bowl it couldn't it couldn't be and so, the, my main argument for the Super Bowl being first is that Rob had to put it in his list, and it was bronze. The fact that Rob had to put it in his list and he's never once expressed an interest in American football shows you the pull that the Super Bowl has. It's the most an- watched annual event in the US every year. I looked up in twenty. I looked up twenty eighteen's most watched televised shows in the US. Number one was the Super Bowl. Numbers two and three were the championship games. Numbers four, five, six, and seven were other playoff games. And number eight was the uh, college football championship game. It's unquestionable. In America, in that country, it's unparalleled in terms of an event. But, you know, I know I've gone very British on mine, but I'm just talking about... I had to put it in because of its stature in the annual sporting calendar. But I think in terms of a wider appeal... I am struggling to put it up there 
at absolute top billing. If well, it's America, it's no question. The the argument I make for that is the halftime show. There are Maroon Five. Maroon Five. <laughs> there are so many people who such a draw. So many people who tune in just to see the halftime show. And the the abiding memory of that for me is nothing when we were Five. in our when we were in our first year of university. The Ravens made it to the Super Bowl, played the San Francisco 49ers at the Louisiana or the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans. And Beyonce did the halftime show. We watched the game in the common room in halls and it was packed. And genuinely that like you couldn't you couldn't sit down unless you wanted to sit on one of those terrible um, And that was a very hot room when there little, were a lot of people in little it. Little it was a very on the hot side. Room. So this is Hard, you know, two o'clock on a on a Monday morning, and it's full. Beyonce comes on, does her thing, but people have sat through half a game of American football, which they probably would never have dreamt of doing. They've sat through half a game of American football just to watch Beyonce. Whether eighty percent of them got up and left or not is another matter. But the fact that mm. they had to be there for the Super Bowl and just to watch Beyonce shows you the pull that the Super Bowl has. I would argue there's a slight flaw in arguing why a student's up at two in the morning, but that's probably <laughs> another We should probably, thing. probably put that argument to one side. But I mean, you know, Sam, you've got to make this call. So. I, I, I have, and I've, I have two decisions kind of make themselves. I can't have the Super Bowl in gold for the sole reason that it's, it is an annual sporting event. It is a great spectacle. It takes place in one country. And I, I get your argument about America, it being huge. So I am going to have the Super Bowl as my bronze pick over the FA Cup. So not throwing away a point after all. Not throwing, a point, throwing away a point after all. You are going to get the Super Bowl over the FA Cup. I just, I just don't think the FA Cup has means nearly as much now as, as you, you made the argument, Rob, as 15 years ago. I, I think it's really lost it. Whereas I think the Super Bowl... It's, it's obviously huge in America, but I think its global reach is actually starting to increase. And I think people are beginning to, to tune in with it a little more. So Rob is going to get the bronze for the Super Bowl. He's also going to get the gold for Wimbledon. I have, I have some issues with Wimbledon. I, you made the point about their, uh, them being very traditional, refusing to modernise. I do have a few issues with that. I thought last year, not giving the women's final a set start time to pander to the men's semi-final that had been going on for about seven days. I thought that was a bit of a joke and very disrespectful to the women's side but it is still an incredible sporting spectacle and it also has global appeal it has global participants and and that was the, the winner over the super bowl for me the silver is the interesting one the six nations v the masters and i'm going to give it to the masters kind of for the same reason i picked wimbledon it has more global reach it has more global participants could you not then argue that the, the the FA Cup has more global reach than the Super Bowl because there are but play, I think the there su- are players from every nation playing in the FA Cup final. To be honest, Caleb, you're arguing that the Super Bowl misses out entirely when you put it in. I want the first. point. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I want the point. I need the point. I, I, <laughs> I believe that the Super Bowl versus the FA Cup. The others are all more of the Six Nations, the Masters, and Wimbledon are, are three or four day events and longer. The Super Bowl v the FA Cup is a one day. The FA Cup final is a one day spectacle. I'm going on what I think is a better one-day spectacle, and that is the Super Bowl for that. That's a good. So, point. to do to just wrap up points, Rob gets one for the bronze, and three for Wimbledon, so four in total. Uh, Callum gets two for the Masters in silver, so that is our top three annual sporting events in bronze, Super Bowl, silver, Masters, gold, 
Wimbledon. Disgusting bias being shown. Disgusting (laughs) bias being shown. Outrageous. Please let us know what you thought of our list. I say on Twitter and Instagram, three sports rankers. That's three with a number on Twitter and three as a word on Instagram, just to make your life nice and difficult. In terms of the series scores, that, uh, that means me and Callum are now both tied on seven, heading into next week. Rob, commanding lead, 14 points after four episodes. Good times for me to sit out one then. I was going to say, <laughs> but you are sitting out next week. It will be between me and Callum. What topic are you bringing to the table? So the topic for next week will be greatest sporting capitulations. Oh, nice. Oh, In history. Okay. So feel free to go back In as far history. as you want. Greatest sporting capitulations. So try to avoid, I would say going for comebacks on the other side of things. You know, I did think that might come into it, but go for more throwing something away. Greatest sporting capitulations. Okay, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And hopefully you will too. We will be back with Greatest Sporting Capitulations next week. And that is it for another episode of Three Sports Rankers. Three Sports Rankers.